So it's stressful in a concentrated kind of way. And then you come back here and just people are doing everything. There's all this stuff on the counter. You go here, you go there, you have to uh, get in traffic. Every little thing is, is these constant little decisions you're making. And uh, it, you realize how much our culture is driven by that when you've been out of it for a while. So I'm easy, I get easily stressed out about all the decisions that I have to make that don't seem particularly meaningful to me anymore, but. <laughs> Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help busy people reclaim good practices for faith and life. Here's your host, Tony Meltenberger. Hey everybody, welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm Tony and today I'm bringing you a conversation with Chaplain Lieutenant Colonel Terry Jones. Chaplain Jones recently returned from a deployment and she shares with us some of the struggles, challenges, and difficulties in returning home. One of the things that you'll learn in our conversation today is she talks about how in the world that we live in, in the United States, it is so much more chaotic than the single-focused, mission-focused world of being deployed. She shares that, what it means to balance life and work and a soldier as a mom and so much more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Terry Jones. Terry, how the heck are you? I'm great. It's so great to talk to you, Tony, and catch up and uh, share about all God's doing in our lives. Yeah, so tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do, kind of, because you, you've got an interesting dynamic in your uh, work life um, in terms of kids and, and family and, and army, and you throw all that in there, and it looks like a, a kind of a soup sandwich sometimes, I bet. <laughs> it does. I, I live a very diverse life, I suppose. I'm, and I'm an army chaplain for my employment in uh, ministry I'm in, in the Army Reserve. So it's, it's a pseudo part-time job. And then uh, I have three beautiful daughters. I'm married. I've been married 20 years. My husband is a United Methodist pastor and uh, we serve together. Um, but I do have that uh, common experience with a lot of mothers of balancing home life and work life and career and making all those sorts of decisions about uh, how to set priorities and, uh, really make the choices that that you feel are important for your own life, regardless of all the conversation going on around you. Yeah, it's incredible. And, you, and you've been doing that. I mean, how long have you been in the Army Reserves now? I've been in 21 years. And you're a and lieutenant colonel. I am. This is my second uh, long deployment. Both have been to the Middle East. So the first one was just I was married, no kids. The second time around, I have three children I left behind, which was, was difficult, but uh, they all rose to the occasion. My husband is my hero. He, he did the um, daddy, single daddy thing for 11 months. So, I've had the opportunity to meet your husband. He's a rock star, actually. <laughs> he is. He is. Anyway, it, it, was a, it was a big experience, and uh, I pray we all got stronger and focused on, you know, the priorities and as well as just to celebrate now the, the bonds that can last across time and space. Yeah. When you, when you say the bonds that uh, can last across time and space, tell, what, what do you mean about that more practically? Like, well, what does that look like? 
Well, you have to learn how to communicate. Uh, you know, I didn't get to see them for, you know, nearly a year. And learning how to keep those bonds going, how to talk and share and still stay engaged in each other's lives. Uh, it, it's a test that uh, a lot of people don't ever experience, but I think it has its pros and its cons. It's obviously difficult, not something you wish on anybody, but I, I feel like, uh, you know, my daughters have learned something about service and they also have sacrificed for people that they don't know by giving up their mother for 11 months and taking on extra responsibilities at home, giving up on things, you know, I get home, you know, the house wasn't how I left it, but my daughters were loved. That's and awesome. How old are your daughters? They are five, nine, and 12. Yeah, so, I mean, especially for the five-year-old, that has to be really difficult for them to, to process. How, how did you guys approach that situation of saying, you know, mommy's work is taking her away for a year? Well, it was hard. I don't think the five-year-old comprehended, you know, how it is. But they were used to me going away for weekends and things like that. The, it was the hardest on the 12-year-old. And, and statistics show that in families, it's, it's actually the hardest on teenagers. Little children, they don't, you know, you're gone, you show up. They're a lot more resilient about that. But teenagers, even though they don't act like they want you in their life. They really do. And they, they have questions and they're going through all this confusing time and they rely on your presence. And even if you're just around. So I tried to, you know, just send extra messages to my daughter that's 12 who started middle school and, but she's doing well. And I, you know, I hope over time we can continue those conversations about what she's learned and, Hopefully on the back side of this, she can learn the confidence of someone who, you know, even though we were separated, we still have that strong relationship. And how do you sustain through, through obstacles and hard times? I really appreciate your intentionality about that, sending the extra messages, because I think that there are so many people out there who put, ha have work responsibilities that take them away, maybe not for a year, but take them away for long periods of time so that intentional relationship building with those teenagers and pre-teenagers is, is gotta be crucial. So what's it, what's it, you've been back now for a month. How's the reintegration been with the, the kids and the husband? Well, there's certain things, you know, I think every family's different. Uh, there's some things I like to do. None of them like to do. So I love to cook and they've been really excited that I I'm home and they can eat homemade food now. That's awesome. Uh, and then, you know, other things were just, we tried to be, you know, ease into things. Don't just come in and take over. Just expect things to be how they were before. My husband is glad to not have all of the weight on his shoulders, but I think it was also, you know, a letting go for him of all the schedules and being involved in the school and things like that. So... Um, we just try to talk. It's all about talking and sharing and not making assumptions about people. That's just the bottom line for any relationship, I think, regardless of your situation. You just share how you feel and be able to have a non-defensive conversation. 
I think a, a lot of our listeners would say that that's a really difficult <laughs> task. <laughs> um, I'm just laughing because of my own life. Uh, how would you, I, I mean, if you were going to give somebody some tactile, like your best practices on a non-defensive conversation, what would you say? Well, you have to, I think, uh, I think people are different. So, um, for me, I always have to remind myself to be patient and, you know, I'm a very, uh, you know, fix things, get things going, get going. My husband likes to think about things longer. So I have to be patient and give him time to process. And even though I feel like I've already know what I want to do, I have to wait for him. And and the, the other side of that is sometimes I make mistakes because I'm in too big of a hurry and he will catch that. So the more we can work as a team, it's better in the long run. And, you know, I'm not perfect by any means about it. But, you know, we've done this for 20 years now. So I got, you know, I know what the, you know, stressor points are. And it's just trying to, you know, prepare yourself ahead of time. And he's very patient with me. And I've, I've told him constantly, it's hard for me to get used to the chaotic life of the culture back home. When you're deployed, you have one job that you do for, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. Pretty much that's all you think about is whatever your job is every day. You get very little time off. So it's stressful in a concentrated kind of way. And then you come back here and just people are doing everything. There's all this stuff on the counter. You go here, you go there. You have to uh, get in traffic. Every little thing is is these constant little decisions you're making. And uh, it, you realize how much our culture is driven by that when you've been out of it for a while. So I'm easy, I get easily stressed out about all the decisions that I have to make that don't seem particularly meaningful to me anymore. But... <laughs> I'm sure I will uh, assimilate soon. <laughs> well, it's got to be such a challenge, right? You, you get over there and you're mission focused and everything is about the mission and everyone's working towards the same idea, hopefully at least. And then all of a sudden you come back and it's like soccer is the most important thing and swimming is the most important thing and school is the most, I mean, like, so there's all these different pockets of what would be the most important mission, you know, so that that's got to be so challenging for uh, assimilation purposes it is it's it is a lot and yes everybody's priorities you know they want it to be the most important so it's a constant discipline to just be intentional as you said before about where where am i going and what do i want to put my priority of effort on and if you don't be intentional, the culture will drive you toward whatever's going on every single time because everything's going so fast. And, and we don't really have built into our schedule time to reflect. And when you're busy, that feels stressful to stop because you have so much to do. But if you don't do that, you get you really easily get off track. And, and then you start to feel like, why, you know, I can't get anything done. Why am I? Why am I so stressed out all the time? And and a lot of times it's just because we're we're misplacing all of our efforts. Where yeah, I heard somebody we, say recently that the most productive thing that we can say is no. It is. 
and or or just to know how you're spending your time and what you but yeah i'm trying to start ease back in and you know be intentional about what i say yes to some things you can't you know get out of you still have to be where right you, have you still to have to feed the kids no matter what they always <laughs> want to eat <laughs> so to be simple where you can and that's where i really have to take that time for myself to focus and get uh and you know i'm not always good at it either but um, now are you are you more of a uh, a morning quiet time person or an evening quiet? How, how are you creating that space in your schedule? Because I know for me, if I have to get up early before my house turns into crazyville mm -hmm. and then spend time in the word, spend time in meditation and prayer, and then try to go to the gym all before the kids get really moving, what's your rhythm look like? Well, I'm definitely a morning person too. I my day goes better if I have that half hour before anybody else gets up to yeah. focus. Um, we've tried to, we're not always good at it, but we've tried to do the exercise thing as a family. That way we're doing bonding time. And, uh, and Ooh, that know. sounds painful. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we let them pick what exercise and we mix it up a lot. Oh, that's so, good. That's good then. Yeah. It's, it's, but you know that's all about priorities too. Where can I make some do two for one instead of you know one thing? Um, and everybody's individual about that. So let's talk a little bit about your kind of your faith walk on your deployment, and and you can talk about either deployment and how, how do you? Because I, I think it's a unique thing when you get into a high stress environment. In a high stress environment, how do people? dial in on their relationship with God? How do people follow God? How did, how did you do it? How did you see other soldiers do it? E either time, either deployment, 04 or, or uh, 18. Um, well, when you're deployed or if you go to some other uh, country or environment, what you find is really an openness, a, a new perspective to see things in a different way because you're not in place that you're comfortable um you know Kuwait wasn't necessarily dangerous but it's a harsh environment you know it's super hot it's super cold we had we walked about I walked about a mile to work every day and back mm -hmm. there was uh so all of that changes how you see things and I think making the opportunity to see that and uh just it was it's powerful to feel like I'm in the places where some of the patriarchs were and and to understand how it felt to be in that environment was very powerful to me uh, I also things like walking to work that's a very simple thing but I found that it really changed my perspective for the day so I would get up in the morning pick a Bible verse for the day and as I walked that mile or rode sometimes I rode a bike I thought and kind of reflected on it because the first thing I would do every morning is go in with uh, my general and her staff and say a prayer for the day together. It took like, you know, one minute. It was short. But that time to reflect and start my day like that was uh, a very small thing that really set that space for my day. The same thing coming back at night. I would kind of debrief on my way home and walking is a very calming process so I found that if I didn't do that for some reason 
it was hard to sleep and I kind of retained a lot of that stress inside. I, I actually miss some of that now that I'm home and I notice there's no space between things. So I, I go from one thing and then I get in a car and you're driving and you got to pay attention to all these people and you, you don't realize how those small little stressors are building up and there's no free space to just listen and hear and, and let things ruminate and, and to be able to hear God in those spaces. I like I that. creating creating margin by intentional intentional actions and and if you've never been deployed before that the interesting thing about that is the base the the oh, camp Arifjan where yours is a huge base it is uh, but not I mean you really most people don't have cars and so in a lot of ways it's like a, a an intentional walking community uh, <laughs> and, and and so. Intentional community, intentional actions are really, are really resonating with that theme of intentionality of, of the space of it all. That even in a in a fairly small space, because Arif John is definitely smaller than the city that you live in now. I would I would guess, yeah, not so. geographically, but certainly in population. But um, the space that you were a- able to get seems like it was a lot bigger. It was, and obviously, I didn't make an intentional choice to walk to work. That was my situation. Um, but I found in that a blessing. So seeing how God is opening opportunities, sometimes we have to not just complain, but see how that could actually be useful. I remember a few times too, we were researching some things and I'd come home from work and I'd spent like, you know, eight hours staring at a computer and I just couldn't read anymore. My eyes were so tired. And so I, I've decided when I'm like, well, I'm just going to listen. I have this app to listen to the Bible on whatever on Bible gateway. And I really liked it. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I experience scripture differently when I hear it as opposed to read it. And so I think being open to let, we should all have intentional forms and discipline in our life. But sometimes we have to mix it up a little bit and, uh, you know, do something different than we're used to. I think sometimes we get so used to our forms, they stop being effective because they, they just become something we do and check off a, a block instead of having new perspective brought in our life. I love that. Sometimes we stop listening to, uh, stop listening to our forms. Our forms stop being effective. Yeah, that's... I, th- I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people. So what you're saying is that everyone should get deployed at least once. <laughs> well, or go someplace you haven't been. Maybe. So, Maybe you don't have to deploy. You could, you know, go on a mission trip or do something like that. But. No, it's good. I love it. Just, you know, sometimes you got to get up and move and get a new perspective. It requires something different. So, so while you're over there and you're in this high stress environment and you're working 12, 14 hour days, walking a mile each way. How, how do you, how did you balance the fun part of your life? What did you guys do for fun? How did you, how'd you kind of work that in? I mean, cause obviously as a Lieutenant Colonel, you, you've got troops. I mean, you know, you're a leader in charge of people. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we did so good in the fun department, but uh, I know when I was deployed with you, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you always made me laugh and we joked around a lot. And that was still to this day, I look back at that as just one of the things that got me through some really hard experiences to just laugh. And, and the, you know, that simple thing created space and 
breathing room to, you know, tackle the hard things. So I didn't really have that same experience this time, but uh, all of that is very important to have that community. Um, community also, I think we have to be disciplined in our personal life, but the best we're going to be is always in community. When we have somebody to do it, do something with us to point out our blind spots, because we will, we, we are very prone to our own um, perspectives and we're going to naturally do things the way we're comfortable. And I think community gets us out of that as well as helps us through the hard times. So I'm a big proponent of worshiping with people, um, praying with people, sharing the Bible with people. Now, how did you do that while you were deployed? Um, I think one of my favorite experiences was the, we, I led a chapel service with a uh, Presbyterian chaplain. So I'm Methodist, he's Presbyterian. And uh, now explain for, for some of our listeners who may not know, what's the difference? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a lot, but uh, they tend, you know, Presbyterians are the Calvinistic side of things and, uh, you know, predestination and, you know, God's sovereignty and God's, you know, has everything kind of lined out. Uh, Methodists sure. tend to be more free will and, a lot more freedom of decision and their theology. That's the theology. Practically speaking. Um, Negligible. Yeah. It's not that, that different. So you're leading a chapel service with this Presbyterian chaplain. Yes. And we just had a great, we had a great um, relationships in terms of being able to just pick up where each other left off. Cause we would travel a lot. And, uh, but when we're there together, just, you know, one would preach one week and the other one would do all the other prayers or whatever else was happening in the service. And then afterwards we would really talk and share about the church and how can the church itself, especially back in the United States, be more community based where, where we, we focus on our common ground and, and really the priority of faith. It's so easy to get just mired down in arguments about things that don't matter or things that do matter, but they're placed more important than the gospel. Mm. So I really enjoyed serving with him and being able to share it that more, you know, uh, you know, he's, he's been a Christian a long time and just, you know, talk about scripture texts and, and Bible verses and goofy things that as a, I like it because I like theology. <laughs> may not but uh i like that about the military you're you go to a christian service yeah because because mm -hmm. if you didn't know like chaplains in the army they they're called to communities they're not necessarily called by denomination so yeah. i bet you had to deal with some um wide arranging like what are some of the services that you happened at, at camp air john can you name them all uh well, my service happened to be a contemporary, but you're right. You just get assigned. I didn't like say, well, I want to do this or that. Um, yeah, you so can't you, say I'm only serving Methodists because, you know, no. only Methodists are going to heaven type of thing. 
you, you would never, I mean, sometimes there's a few exceptions where they'll have a special service. Sure. But uh, for the most part, they're just Christian, Jewish, Muslim. We had a pagan service. I mean, obviously I didn't lead that, but there was one. Um, but even that interaction with other faiths, we had an Orthodox Jewish soldier. And, it, you know, as a chaplain, my job in the military is to ensure the free exercise of religion. That is the, the bottom line reason for chaplains in the military. So there was a lot of work I did to help make sure he had what food he needed and all the various ways that he expresses his faith, which for Judaism is very behavioral based. Uh, in sure, Christ yeah. Christianity, we're a lot more about right belief, where uh, Judaism and Islam are about right practice. So we might, you know, think we might say something like, well, we had the right intention about A, B, and C, even though we didn't do the right thing. And uh, Judaism and Islam, it's about doing the right thing. Even if you didn't know or you made a mistake, you're still held, held accountable for that. So I had a lot of educating to do about how he expresses his faith and people couldn't understand. And it, it helped me grow in my own faith. I, I really grew through that experience of working with him. What's an example of that growth look like? Because it sounds like uh, what you're saying in, in a kind of a meta sense is that when you experience someone who's different than you, you get a different perspective. You absolutely. And I think I, I've encountered a lot of people who are afraid of people who are different than them. So it's like, oh, you know, yeah. oh, don't interact with that. Don't allow this. Don't allow that instead of understanding. And it, I think more often than not, it actually reinforces your own beliefs, but you understand them better. And whereas when you're kind of isolating from other people, you, you tend to just work off assumptions. So, you know, one thing that he, he, you know, Jews, obviously they eat kosher. So if you can imagine trying to eat kosher in a deployed environment, it is not easy. Oh, I can't imagine. And a, a lot of people, what they'll do on a short-term basis is people have MREs, which are these like field meals that they come in a bag and they're processed. And uh, they're, they're horrible. You can say it. They are. So you could do that for a week or a month, but for 11 months, that's a long time. That's a really long time. So I had to work out a way where he could get kosher field kosher food from the dining facility before they cooked it. And as it turns out, a lot of food is kosher. I didn't know that. If you look on any kind of food in the store, they have little like symbols, like a little circle with a K. It's on all the food. And oh, wow. a lot of food is that way. So I, I realized, wow, we have a lot of kosher food. If we could just let him have it before and cook his own food, he could live better. And, uh, that was an education process. But for my own faith, I was inspired by the way uh, everything that he did was how he ate. What he did at certain times, his rest and work schedules was very intentional, more so than I ever experienced in Christianity. I, I eat food to enjoy it and eat. I don't think about my faith through what I'm eating. Um, I'm not good at keeping Sabbaths. 
all of that led me to be more intentional in my own faith in ways that, that I could be. Now, I don't want to be, you know, legalistic about it, but sure, sure, sure. There's, there's an opportunity to grow. So I appreciated getting to know him. And do you think he, um, I mean, did you guys end up becoming friends through this process? I mean, it sounds like you had to work pretty closely with him. Oh, we did. Yes. I became really good friends with him as well as uh, his supervisor who was agnostic. So imagine that, you know, and he's got a. That sounds like a perfect joke. It was. A a Methodist pastor, an agnostic, and an Orthodox (laughs) Jew walk into the dining facility. Uh, and he was, his supervisor was a very compassionate man, but, you know, he could not understand all these things that his soldier had to do. And uh, anyway, it was some really good conversation about faith and how we experience it. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, as we kind of look at this lens of faith, what what do you think, uh, what, were there any themes that God showed you throughout your year deployment or Kind of any way that God spoke in a in a way that um, maybe impacted you. Well, I think I'm still processing, you know, all of that. I, I think the the great thing about faith is it, it's a journey, and you learn as you go, and you get little pieces as you go. So, you know, coming back, I I appreciate my family. I appreciate being back in my church and the people that loved us all through 11 months of deployment. There's ladies that brought my husband food every week just because wow. they thought he should have that. And being able to celebrate the community experience around this deployment, which was never just about me. So I, I'm humble. Yeah, what, what is that? I mean, the community experience, it was never about you. Is that, is that your church? Is that, what does that look like? Well, I think it affects a lot of people. I mean, I'm the one that deployed, but you know, my family had to rise at occasion, the church, they, uh, you know, sometimes my husband would have to leave early to pick up the girls or do something because he's a single dad. So they had impacts, the school that did special things for my daughters. It, It affects a lot of people in big and small ways. And, I think that that's important to recognize. War is a terrible thing, but if we feel like it's only about whoever goes over there, whoever is on the decision making about what we do or don't do, um, it really has to be about community, both for healing and for strength. So I, I celebrate that. I, I don't think that it's always been like that, but in this experience, I really experienced the strength of community. So I hope that um, we all have time and space to celebrate all those big and small ways people contributed. I love that. Do you think when, when you look at the lives of most of the soldiers that you interacted with while you were deployed, how, how would you characterize their ability to balance faith and life in the deployment. I mean, obviously it helps a little bit that, that you work in the field of ministry for that normal, you know, young sergeant or young E4 um, who's working in the supply shop or the maintenance shop. How how does that look for them if they're a person of faith? Well, I think 
they have opportunity to really deepen their faith if they take it. I can tell you in 2005, that was a lot more, um, you know, a lot of people were dying. A lot of people were under a lot of combat stress. So it was a lot more to the forefront. Now people were just working and there wasn't as much danger where I was. I mean, there's, it's different in every place, but, um, it was easier to kind of slide back into that. And especially if you're working 12 hours, do you want to take some time to go to chapel? Maybe not. And I think no matter where we are in life, we're going to go through hard times where our faith becomes really that survival, that life thing that, you know, we, we grab on because we're just desperate. But it's also, we have to make those intentional decisions when it's, we don't feel desperate because that's when we grow and that's when we uh, really make it a part of our everyday life and where it, it has that deep, deep meaning in our life beyond just, you know, I don't know how I survived that terrible thing, but I got through. That's the beauty of it. If we can make time for it and, and make it a part of everything that goes on in our day. That makes a lot of sense to me that basically that, you know, we're all faced with these big things that require our attention. And, and here, as much as it is when they're deployed, each of us have a choice to decide how we're going to intentionally be in a relationship with God and a relationship with uh, the community that we're called to be a part of. That's uh, I think that's really relevant for, for many of us today. Now that you're back and you look at people's lack of intentionality, mm-hmm. what, what feelings does that stir up for you? Well, I think people's lack of intentionality, just a lot of it comes from just the pressures and, it's so easy to give in to the pressures with that don't really have a lot of long-term meaning in our life. And so I don't think people want to be unintentional. It's just hard to be. Uh, but I guess what I would say is, you know, it's almost like exercise, how everybody does the big new year's resolution to be like, you know, oh, Mr. Sure. First or, or miss, you know, superhero on the six gym. pack abs by the summer. That's right. But sometimes you just got to start small and not give in to all the guilt trips of, oh, I didn't do anything. Well, if you didn't do anything, do 10 minutes of something. And that's where you find the progress, not in the big highs and lows. Just, you know, some days you don't have time. Well, end your day with a prayer and try to improve every day. Try to add in. And, or if you're struggling with something, try a new form. It can be exciting and give you some more of that motivation that, that you might be missing. So if you're struggling to read your Bible every day, listen to it on your app on the way to work or um, decide to have a conversation about a topic with somebody you trust. There's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities if we can be open to that and instead of uh, being legalistic on one hand or just defeatism on the other hand. Well, I'm never going to do it. So why try? Right. It's not all or nothing. It can be somewhere in the middle. It can. So how is your, how is your rhythm now that you're back in terms of your walk with, with Christ? What's that, uh, what's that look like in a practical sense? 
because you know you're not getting your mile walk in you're not yeah that's right i mean it's it's just different right everything comes back and your house has changed but but you feel like you left it a certain way it should still be the same i mean <laughs> you know it's that's that's all real stuff how, how do you how are you dealing with that currently how would how would you tell a soldier to deal with that if they came in and said ma'am it's just not working for me well that's where the community comes in you talk about it and if you're really struggling you go find a counselor and there there's so many resources out there the problems can be dealt with when we find someone to walk with us. Hmm. It, the more and more we isolate, the harder it is to, to deal with struggles that we have in our life. And, and it actually gives them more power because it's just like us and them instead of having that, that community around us to strengthen us and having, you know, being able to hear God's voice. I think God is always speaking to us, but we're so distracted. It's hard to hear a lot of the times. And, uh, you know, I, I've tried to make time out to go see the sunrise or see the sunset, or if I can't walk, do something like that. Take a moment to enjoy something beautiful. I'm very attuned to that now since I didn't experience that for all that time in Kuwait. It's very, you know, just ground. It's the worst. I mean, uh, it's, <laughs> people are nice, but it's one of the worst places in terms of geography. Like there's just nothing. That's true. There's there's very little to find beautiful there. But in fact, I remember like a week back, I was pumping my gas one day, and all of a sudden, I was totally like distracted by all these birds that were on a wire. There was a whole bunch of different kind of birds singing, and I hadn't heard that in so long that I just had to stand there for a minute and listen to it. I probably, you know give me six months back, I might not even hear those birds singing because I kind of tune them out into the focus of, you know, pumping my gas or doing whatever I'm doing. So I'm trying to keep that, you know, hear those things that come in every day and maybe I've taken for granted. No, I love that. I think, I think a lot of us take the little things for granted and it's so easy to be distracted by the task that we lose the, the side of the big picture so you've been doing this for 21 years. You're 20 years married, three kids. If you could go back and talk to young Lieutenant Terry Jones, what would you tell her? What's the piece of advice that you wish that you had when you started out? Yeah, I, I've been thinking about that question. That's a, that's a hard one. Um, I think the, the best thing is to, that I would tell myself to just trust God more. And, uh, I worried about a lot of things, especially when we were starting out and you don't have a lot of things. And, uh, there was a lot of things I worried about that never came to be, or didn't come the way I thought that they would. And even the things that were really hard hard and sad there there was these gifts of grace and suffering hmm. that today are some of the most precious things that I've experienced in life I mean I don't want to go through that bad experience again but those deep moments are very precious so 
that gives me the ability to hopefully trust God more and release a little bit some of my anxiety about uh, things I don't understand or what the future is. He has it all in his hands and uh, the things that I won't ever understand, I can still see his hand in, in my life and giving me care. I love that. That's a great answer. Grace and the suffering. So uh, just as a little bonus question, because <laughs> I, I like to keep people guessing. Uh, what, what's your favorite memory from our time deployed together? Because we, yeah, we were deployed together from 04 to 05 in Kuwait. It was, it was one of the best, worst years of my life. I don't, I don't know how to describe it other than that. I think a lot of people would describe deployments that way, but um, I'm always, you know, and I still keep up with most everybody from the group, the, the, the four of us, the core four of us. Uh, what was your favorite memory from our deployment, 04 to 05, your favorite, favorite story? <laughs> well, you know, my favorite time, which is funny, I must have this like exercise theme or something because uh, you had made it one of your goals to get uh, more fit. Yeah. Uh, so I lost 50 pounds that year. That was a lot. That's a lot. I lost a person. <laughs> so we spent a lot of time walking around this or running, whatever, around this disgusting track that was like outside of some manufacturing plant. and like It was a mild track, though, which was beautiful. It was. But I remember just going, you know, mile after mile and – but while we did it, we would talk and laugh and discuss. One time, you guys were discussing about having a baby shower or something. I don't know. I just, I remember the beauty of that community and uh, taking a space out from the work we were doing, which sometimes was exciting, sometimes it was boring, and just discussing what was ever on our minds in a place that really had no beauty in it except for whatever we put there. So yeah. that, that's, that was my best memory. I, I think I would echo that sentiment in terms of the time that we spent on the track. I have never laughed so hard in my life <laughs> as I have on that track. And I think it was partly just exhaustion and partly just, you know, pure kind of love and that community type of sense. Mm -hmm. And then my, my close second favorite would be, our Sunday morning routine. I don't know if you remember it or not, but at, oh, the, yes. at the green bean. So Sunday mornings <laughs> in the army, all the chaplains have to get ready and they all do different services. And, um, and so our section, our little unit, our little family would get together and we'd have coffee and I would drink this frappuccino that was really just sugar with a little bit of coffee sprinkled in. <laughs> uh, and you wonder why I had to lose 50 pounds. Um, but but we would sit around there and we would talk about how God was working in the community. And it was, those are some favorite of my memories as well. They were good. They were, they were good. And now, now look at you, y'all grown up Lieutenant Colonel. <laughs> I yeah. I was just barely in the army then. You, you were a young captain. You were, I, that's okay. I was Catholic. None of us had kids. Like it was way <laughs> different. It was a way different world. <laughs> But look, we're still friends. We're still friends. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that is the benefit of intentional community. It's just a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. it, it allows people to grow and change and still be community. 
Yeah, and I, I went out to California and saw uh, our our dear friend John Barrow out there, and it was uh, so I'll, he didn't remember any of those stories. He couldn't remember anything. <laughs> 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 but mostly because I think he just—he was like, I don't remember that at all. I was like, John, you said it. <laughs> uh, but that was him. That was him. So uh, let let me ask you this, Terry. If if any of our listeners wanted to follow up with you or find you on the internet, is there an easy way to do that? Sure, they can just email me. I don't have a blog right now, but um... you you are a pretty incredible writer. You did blog for a couple of years, didn't you? Uh, just while I was deployed, but, um, anyway, I'm, I'll probably get back at it after my hiatus. That's good. It's a gift. It's a gift to the world. So if they wanted to email you, what's your good email address? My email is, uh, Terry, T-E-R-R-I, Pruitt, P-R-U-I-T-T, Jones at yahoo.com. Perfect. And we'll, we'll, we'll put a note in there in the, in the show notes so that if, if anybody wants to follow up or if they have questions or want to know how they can support troops, that's something that you can help them with too, right? Anytime. That's right. Anytime. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And yeah, thank you for your service. I, I feel I always, um, true confession felt a little jealous that I wasn't going back over there with you. Uh-huh. I would have loved that. Yeah, that would have been so much fun. Um, but uh, but also grateful that that you were there to answer the call and help those soldiers. So thank you and Richard and the girls for all of your service. Oh, you're welcome. I I'll ha- I have one final story. I just want to. I love it. I reminded my I was reminded of. It, there's a city in Iraq that was uh, one of the up and coming cities. It's called Erbil, and after the recovery from the initial Iraq war, they were building and it was going to be the next Dubai. So there's cranes all over the skyline. There's probably like uh, five to 10 cranes you can see there. But when ISIS swept through Iraq in uh, 2014, or is it 16? Anyway, I got to check that. But all the work came to a halt. They stopped building, but still those cranes are just sitting there. They never lifted anything. So when I go through in 2018, there's the cranes that are now part of the skyline trying to build this great thing that that didn't ever happen. I, I would see that and think about in our life how often we get distracted. We have these great purposes and plans, and they just seem like they get on hold. But God always has a purpose and plan, and he never gives up on us. So my verse for, for that was that um, he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we have true confidence in his constant work in our life, and he hasn't given up on us. Amen. Thank you for that. I'm going to carry that all day, I think. <laughs> okay. Hey friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our conversation with Chaplain Lieutenant Colonel Terry Jones. I realize that it takes time to listen wherever you are, gym, home, work, car, whatever. Thank you. Just thank you for, you know, making us a part of your day. Our next conversation, you're going to love it. It's with Christian entrepreneur Mike Matil. Mike is a professional baseball player turned businessman whose family has a tremendous impact on 
on the Dayton area. He shares his thoughts on faith, life, uh, religiosity, and spirituality. It's a great conversation. The only way to make sure that you don't miss it, subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Also, if you've left a review, thank you so much. It really means a lot. We really appreciate them. I read them all. And you can also always get caught up on anything that you've missed at TWMILT, M-I-L-T, T-W-M-I-L-T dot com. Like what you heard? Please take a minute to rate and share so others like you can find good practices for faith and life.